Lord Jesus, speak to us this morning. You are the one who created us. You know how we listen. And you know the reasons sometimes why we don't listen. Father, break through the callousness of our heart, the distractions of our mind. Get through to our hearts, Lord God. This morning is about you speaking to us. So let your servant skillfully remove himself from the equation and find your people responding directly with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Am I audible to the end, please? Very good. Today we're talking about what the Bible says about ministry, that we're created to serve. And I want to take us a little bit of an excerpt from our 301 class, which is which talks about ministry. In our church, in our community, when, we, when you join us, the first thing we tell you is what it means to belong to us. What it means to belong to the church, belong to Christ. We call that membership. Then we move you into maturity, and we call that growing in Christ, or learning to walk like Christ, behave like Christ. And we give you the skills for that. We give you a small group forum for that. Then we move you to ministry, where we teach you what your shape is. S-H-A-P-E. S is for... S is for... See, you haven't come to the class. That's the problem. S is for spiritual gifts. H is for heart. A is for ability. P is for personality. E is for experience. God has put all of that together to show you what your ministry could be. And God has shaped you for ministry. He has created you for service. From there, we move you to mission, where we help you to understand how you live your whole life on mission. Because that's, there's so many misunderstandings about that. We don't have clarity on, on what mission means. It usually means some guy who leads absolutely everything, or some lady who leads absolutely everything, goes all the way to another country, and then spends the rest of their life with that person picking up their diseases. That's what we grew up thinking what missions is all about. Today, missions is Potter Lunch. Today, missions is your own neighborhood. Today, missions is Green Park. Uh, so we talk, we teach about that in the missions class. Let's go over it together. Membership, maturity, ministry, mission. Let's see. A little bit more breakfast. Come on. Come on. Membership. Ministry, mission. Just to polish it one more time. Yeah. Membership. Three, two, one. So I've decided to take an excerpt from this because some of you will never come to class. So I'm going to force it down your gullet. I didn't say that. All right. Yes. Are we done? Alright, it's downloadable as well. The definition of ministry is diagnose or to serve or servant. That's where we kind of get it from. Ministry is using, write it down, using whatever God has given me to serve Him and the needs of others. Ministry is using whatever God has given to me. Whatever God has given to me. Don't say He hasn't given me anything. Ministry is using whatever God has given to me to do what? To serve Him and to uh, serve the needs of others. So my life has been redeemed. My life has been bought. My life has been created for service, for ministry. I find my joy in serving. I find my purpose in serving. If I'm not serving, I'm living a selfish, self-centered life, which is not like the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. All right. So we minister in three different directions. We minister in three different directions. Let's pick up the pace here. Let's go to gear two, okay? We minister upwards to the Lord. To the Lord, write it down. We minister to the Lord. 
David talks about his own life, although God talks about David and says, David served the Lord in his generation. He served God's purposes in his generation and then he died. What does that mean? It means during his time, whatever God's purposes were for him and for his neighbors at that time, he served his eternal purposes but within that generation. So you take the eternal and you take the temporal and you pull that together and you do God's work in his time. If I was fulfilling God's purposes for David, I'd be off center. Got it? If David lived my life, he'd be off center. What is God's will for my life? What's, what's he doing now? What's he doing now? Never ask the question, what is God's will for my life? Never ask that question. Because if you ask the wrong question, what will you get? A wrong answer. You ask, what is God's will? Full stop. And how can I get involved in it? And God has already stated what he wants to the Lord. Number two, to believers. To believers. By believers we mean those who have come to trust Jesus as the one who has paid for their sin. Those who have come to trust Jesus as the one who is Lord of all. Believers. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 16, he says, God will not forget the work that you have done towards his people. So we have a ministry to believers. And we also have a ministry to non-believers. That is those who have not yet or rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who do not believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. So there are three ways we minister. Number one, two, God. Number two, two, believers. And number two, three, two, unbelievers. Alright. We minister in three different areas. We minister in three different areas. Number one is physical needs. We minister to people's physical needs. I was hungry and you fed me thirsty and you gave me drink, needed clothes and you clothed me sick and you cared for me in prison and you visited me. These are physical needs. These are physical realities that we can help people with. Whenever you have done this, to the least of the persons you have done this for me. If as my representative you give even a cup of cold water to a little child, you will be surely rewarded. So there are physical needs. We already knew that. Let's move to the second one. There are people's emotional needs. There are people's emotional needs. It says in 1 Thessalonians, warn the idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with all. Those are emotional needs. Those are a matter of getting people out of their shell. Getting people out of their little boxes, their comfort zones. Help people out of that. He says, warn the idle. Those fellows sitting down doing nothing, give them a ministry. What does it say? Encourage the timid. A quiet little oh they've got why why encourage them? Because God has packed them with giftedness. You just have to put them in the right place and they'll 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 nail it. Help the weak, be patient for Number three, there is spiritual needs. People have spiritual needs. God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. So when we help people get closer to God, when we help people grow, grow in their walk with God, when we help people know God better, these are ministries that are spiritual. Let's go over that again. There are three different areas we minister. Number one in the physical realm, physical needs. Number two in the emotional realm. Number three in the spiritual realm. When we talk about ministry, it doesn't mean all three. It could be any one of those. And you would be particularly gifted, we'll talk about shape in the class when you finally make it there, <laughs> uh, of how God has shaped you. And maybe you are good at the physical part because some really 
they care for the poor. Whenever there's somebody in need, they seem to have something ready. God always resources them with stuff to help with, stuff to give, stuff to support. Then there are those who are very strong and come alongside you, shoulder to shoulder, carry you through difficult times. Some are just able to not internalize it. They're not able, they're able to not make it personal. So they're able to take your emotion and help you out. Then there are those who make you stronger in the faith. They make you stronger in your spiritual life. So any one of those three areas. God will not give one person everything. I'm going to say it again. Listen very carefully. God will not give any one person everything. Okay? So God wants everyone in the church to meet all sorts of needs so that everybody is involved. Alright? So those are the three areas. So we develop people in their spiritual walk by maturing them. We proclaim Christ counseling, teaching everyone uh, in all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. What does it mean to be mature? It means you're complete and all your systems are functioning. You're complete and all your systems are functioning. So what has God given us ministry for? Why? What is the purpose of ministry? Can you read this with me? There are different kinds of service to God, but it is the same Lord we serve. The Holy Spirit displays God's Father through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. All of you together are the one body of Christ, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part. I love that little statement. It says the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit displays God's power. He displays His power through each of us. Why? As a means of helping the entire church. Here's a truth I want you to know. I want you to write it down and I want you to think about it the whole week. God wants to use me to help the church grow. Please write that down. God wants to use me to help the church to grow. Because everybody thinks the pastor is supposed to do it or the leaders are supposed to do it or the most spiritual ones are supposed to do it. But the church is a body and God wants every part of the body involved. And God has a role for every part of the body to be involved. Did you write that down? God wants to use me to help the church to grow. So answer me just off the top of your head. Who in the church does not have a ministry? Loudly with confidence. Who in the church does not have a ministry? Nobody. Nobody. Everybody has a ministry. Let me let me detour just a few seconds here. The problems are number one, we think ministry has to do with Sunday morning. So forget Sunday morning completely. I've got that covered. I'll take care of it. I'll sing, I'll dance, I'll preach, I'll pray, I'll communion. Everything I'll take. Don't worry. If ministry was from smart from Monday morning through to Saturday night. If your ministry was from Monday morning through to Saturday night, what would that ministry be? But pastor, I have worked the whole week, whole week. I work, I work morning, I work night. Sometimes I come straight from work to church. What is your ministry? But pastor, I'm home all the time. I have to look after my family. I have to look after, you know, the relatives are coming. I have to look after, you know, uncle also is coming and auntie's also coming. What is your ministry? God is a God of order and not chaos. God knows your life and God has given you 24 hours 
And God has given you a ministry knowing all of those things. So he's not going to take you far away from your own life. Did you get that? Did you get that? He's not going to take you far away from your life. So don't panic. Pastor said, I have to be involved in ministry. No time me. I don't have anything. I don't know. I don't have. How am I going to fit ministry into my life? You don't fit ministry into your life. You fit your life into ministry. That's where you get the real joy. See how happy I am? Most of the time. So God wants to help. God wants me to help the church to grow. So this is why if your life is to be put into ministry, ministry must become a priority. If everybody in the church has a ministry, then ministry must be a priority for everybody, for every single person in the body of Christ. And one of the things I've been teaching you from day one is that God wants you involved in ministry. I'm going to tell you 10 reasons why. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. 10 reasons why ministry should be a priority for you. Why you should put ministry top, front and center. Number one, because I've been created for ministry. Write it down. I have been created for ministry. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Write it down. Created. Now look, at, look up at me, please. Which God created in advance. So God has these divine opportunities. Ministry is not a 24-7. It's not a 12 hours a day. It's not a massive project. It's not a massive task. It's an availability of a servant hearing the voice of the master saying, go talk to him. He needs to hear from you. Go help that person. He needs to hear from you. And the Spirit of God prompts you if you're walking with him, if you're in tune with him. The Spirit of God prompts you. The Spirit of God, he nudges you. It kind of gives you that little extra. It's, a, it's like a voice, but it's not a voice. There are a lot of voices. But he nudges you, giving you a sense of a burden. And sometimes that burden is almost just three seconds. Because we are very quickly able to shut away things and they make time needs. Very quickly we're able to shut it away. But God gives us these momentary just say this, talk to him. And he takes you in directions, puts you in places that you don't understand why he has done that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful experience going through your day as you understand that God has prepared, say it with me, God has prepared works of service for you. In advance, he has got an opportunity, a divine opportunity, a, a person you meet, a situation. You may drop something, you may leave something, you may pick up something, you may miss a flight. Everything that happens, happens for the good of those who are called according to God's say, purpose. Nothing happens by accident when you're living your day in partnership with God. Nothing. Nothing happens. So you're on good terms. You're in a good place. The priority of ministry, number one, you have been created to serve. Therefore, God is actively, listen to me, God is actively involved in giving you a successful ministry through the week. Did you get that? If God gave you a ministry, He's going to be actively involved in giving you opportunities, giving you strength, giving you margins in time, resources, to be able to be involved in ministry. He's not going to give you a task, give you a life that has no time for that task, and at the end of the day, what, you didn't do it, you didn't do it for me, you couldn't, that much you couldn't do for me. God's not like that. 
God's going to order your life in such a way that He gives you both a ministry and a desire to do it. Number two, number two, I have been saved for ministry. I have been saved for ministry. It is He who saved us and chose us to, for His holy work. Not because we deserved it, of course not, but because that was His plan. Underline that. Because that was His plan. Long before the world began, 2 Timothy 1 9. So we were saved to serve. We were saved to serve. God has a purpose for our salvation. Number three, I have been called into ministry. What? Me? Yeah, you. I've been called, but I just found Jesus. Yes, you. But there's so much things that's happening in my life that I, I, I need to sort out. There's so much more I need to do. Yes, you. But you know, I'm shy and I, I don't really get along with too many people. Yes, you. Oh, but I'm far away from home and you know, this is not my place and I'm really, I'm really not comfortable. I don't know. Yes, you. Am I getting the point of course? I have been called for ministry. Look at this. God in His grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve Him. Called me to do what? Your master. Your God, the one who loved you. The one who knows you through and through. The one who has sent His Son, the Lord Jesus, to die for you. That one, with His loving voice, has called you by name. I often find that both funny and a blessing is this Jesus called me by name. My name is Jeremy Andrew Dawson. He called me by name before the foundations of the earth. My parents didn't give me my name. God called me by name. And when somebody calls you out by name, you're not part of a crowd. You're not part of a crowd. You've been called into a relationship. You could call in a partnership. When you're at the railway station with a thousand people and somebody calls your name, there's somebody who knows you. Someone who knows you is calling you. And when God calls you to ministry, He calls you because He knows you. Isn't that encouraging? For those of you who are listening. I've been called into ministry. You've been chosen by God Himself. You're the priest of the King. You are God's very own. All this so that you can show to others how God called you into His ministry. So here's a very important learning I want for this morning. I am not who I think I am. It's a recalibration. It's a restructuring. It's a reprogramming of my identity. Somebody has called me by name. Somebody has called me by purpose. <laughs> There's something bigger to my life than my career and my, my significant other, my best friend or my job or my car. There's something bigger to life than me. I am not who I think I am. Well, I am not who you think I am. I am not who you think I am. But I truly am, I really am who God says I am. Why God? Because He knew your name and He knew your life and He knew your words. And he knew everything about you long before anybody else did, even your parents. So when he calls you, there's got to have a weight. There's got to be a weight to that. There's got to have a, got to be a reason to that. So the life-changing truth is I have a primary identity and I have a secondary identity. Are you there? I have a primary identity and I have a secondary identity. 
what is my primary identity? And if I have a primary identity and a secondary identity, then I have to live by my primary identity and not by my secondary. That cannot take over my life. My primary identity is I am a minister of Jesus Christ. I am a minister of Jesus Christ. You got your job at the age of 25 or 27 or 28 or 30, but you got your calling long before the foundations of the earth, if you, if you don't understand what I'm saying. You got your calling, your name was called into ministry long before the foundations of the earth. You got your job when you were only 30. So which is more important? Which is greater? So I am a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. So great learning this morning is that that is a new identity, a primary identity that must define my role. Okay, number four. I have been gifted for ministry. I have been gifted for ministry. God has given each of us some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kind of blessings. God has given each of you abilities. So God has gifted us and we talk about shape and we talk about how God has gifted us and when I get you to do the shape test or some inventory at, uh, at the shape class, at the ministry class, we help you to see how God has, has shaped you. And then that shape then defines your ministry. The form decides the function. Are you with me? What is the reason for, what is the work of a hammer? What do you use a hammer for? Nails. Nails. Drive the nail through the wall. Not for cooking. Could you use it for cooking? Could you? I say to you that some of you are using your hammer for cooking. <laughs> That's what you're doing with your life. And when your life is not being used for the right purpose, you can still get something done, but you won't get what you were formed for. It's a disaster when, when something was designed for a purpose, but it's not used for that purpose. You have been gifted for ministry. Number five says, I have been authorized for ministry. Because what's the point of being told to do something if I don't have the authority to pull it off? If I don't have the authority to uh, finish it? Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth is now mine. It's been given to me. Jesus is now in charge. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Has been. Has been given to me. Are you getting it? Done. Therefore, go. Therefore, go and make disciples. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, it says, we are therefore ambassadors for Christ. He's using militant terms, he's using uh, diplomatic terms to help you understand that you are taking the authority from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you're going into foreign territory with that authority in order to accomplish purposes. And that purpose is reconciliation, that purpose is salvation. I've been gifted for ministry, I've been authorized for ministry. We are ambassadors for Christ. Number six says, I am commanded to minister. I am commanded to minister. If anybody says, where in the Bible does it say I'm supposed to be involved in ministry? I thought pastor was supposed to do everything. I thought the leaders of the church are supposed to do everything. Jesus says, your attitude must be like your, my own, for I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve. 
And Colossians Paul says to Archippus, take heed to the ministry you have received from the Lord and fulfill it. Take heed to the ministry you have received from the Lord. I'm telling you, my dear brothers and sisters, my friends, you may be 12 years old, you may be 15 years old, you may be 85 years old, or anything in between. You have been called into ministry. And you have been authorized for ministry. And you have been gifted for ministry. There is no excuse. There is no situation where you could say, I'm not available. I don't want to. I can't. There is nothing like that. God will always make it possible for you to do that. Remember, I'm not talking about 24-7. I'm not talking about going into full-time ministry. I'm not talking about Sundays. Talk about you, your life, your situation. So keep thinking, God, you called me. If you've given me a ministry, what is it? What do you want me to do, Lord? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So I'm commanded to ministry. Number seven. I am to be equipped. I am to be equipped for ministry. So what is the pastor supposed to do if everybody else is supposed to do the ministry? What is the pastor supposed to do? What are the teachers in the church supposed to do? This is what Ephesians 4.11 says. God gave pastors and teachers to do what? To prepare God's people for works of ministry. So theirs is a training job. It's a coaching job. It's an equipping job. It's a, it's a developing job. Churches should be places where people are being developed. Churches should be places where people are being prepared for ministry. In fact, church should be three things. The church should be three things. That is the, the place where we meet. It should be three things. Number one, it should be a worship place. It should be a worship center. That's where everybody gathers for worship, corporate worship. Number two, it should be a training center. It should be where you come and get your training for what ministry you want to do. Then you go out and you do that ministry and say, wow, God used me. Come back, worship God. Thank you so much, God, for using me. Thank you for fulfilling me in life. Thank you for those opportunities. Thank you for, see, I brought him and I brought her and I brought her because you used me to serve them. Now they are with me. They're worshiping God and that becomes a reward. And number three, it needs to be a peace center where we are finding and preparing and planning how we can reach the world, how we can take care of the world. So you have a ministry in the church and a mission to the world. It should be those three things. It should be, th be those three things. So you have to be equipped. That means coming to classes, getting involved, being part of situations where you are part of that training. It's not all the time. It's not all the time, but we put out that training every now and then. And start by the simple classes of membership, maturity, ministry, mission. At least finish those five classes. At least finish the five classes. All right. So to be equipped, what is the pastor's job? To train. What are the reasons why God gives pastors, pastors, plural, is to train God's people. Number eight. Are you doing okay? Everybody's okay? It's like class, isn't it? You know why? It is. <laughs> Number eight. The body of Christ needs my ministry. Oh, oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. The body of Christ needs my ministry. When the kidney decides, nay, nay, you all carry on. I'm not coming. I am not going to be involved. I want a break. We hear that a lot. Pastor, just taking a break from ministry. But the mark, the mark, how are you supposed to take a break? If my kidney took a break for three days, 
I'll just go lie down somewhere. You are an important part. But you know what? You're laughing. But many times you and I think that we're not important to the rest of the church. We're not part of the rest of the church, the functioning of the rest of the church. We don't realize that my role is so important as far as God has called me, equipped me, and commanded me that the rest of the health of the church is affected by. Now, you are not kingpin. You're not the head of the church. Neither am I. If the head goes and finish, gone. But when one part of the part of the body is not working, what do we call the body? Sick. You go to the doctor and the doctor and you say, Doctor, I'm sick. Why do you do that? Because some part is not working. You can't, my brother, my sister, you can't say to yourself, I'm not important. The rest of the church can just carry on. I will just be a spectator. There is no part of your body that is just there. We call that a growth. And that's not called church growth. It's not a good church growth. Is everybody with me? Yes? I hope you're talking to yourself right now. I hope you're speaking to yourself. You say, no, no, I'm only 15 years old. I'm only 20. No, no, you are an important part. You're important, and your role is important to the rest of the church. This is God's word. This is God's word. All of you, just circle that, please. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. All of you. How many is that in percentage? Yes. You know that song? All of me. I don't know any other part of that song. That is going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so the poor fellow is trying to give the sense of you know completion. I hope we got through. All of you together are the one body. Get it? All are the one. All are the one. All of you together are the one body of Christ. And each of you, say it with me. Each of you is a separate yet. One more time, each of you is a separate yet necessary part. Separate yet necessary part. You are unique. Nobody's going to do your ministry. Your ministry is, is born out of who you are. It's your shape. You are unique. You are a separate part. Your identity is that there is kind, there's uniqueness. However, you are a necessary part. You are a necessary part. When I was a kid, I used to have little cars that were motorized cars with the with the remote and everything. And for some reason, after playing with it for half an hour, I'd get bored. And then I would open up the whole thing and tear it apart. Okay, I wanted to see how this thing works. The problem is I didn't know how to put it back together again. But always I did. Eventually I did. I would look at the things and I put the whole car back together. And then I'd play and it worked. But there'd be that one piece that just stayed out. And you look play. You can't, no, you can't even, where is it supposed to go? I, I don't, but the car's working. So I just threw it out. <coughs> the body of Christ needs every single one. And they need it working. You are a necessary part of it. I hope you're telling yourself that. Because that's what the Spirit of God is saying to you today. Ministry always functions in the context of the church.
family. It functions in the context of the church family. So if you say, what is my ministry? It can't be going off on your own, doing your own little thing. It's part of what the church is doing. It's part of what the community is doing. Don't say Sunday morning church. Say week long, my community, my family, my church family. It is what the family is doing together. Ministry always functions in the context of family. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said, the harvest is great. That's not the problem. What's the problem? The workers are few. Ask the Lord to send out workers. There's no end of ministry. The problem is people don't see it as their ministry. I'm going to make a point in just a second. Listen very carefully. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's tons of ministry to do, but not anybody owning that ministry. Nobody wants to call that theirs. Why? What is missing? When Jesus saw the crowds, that's where the ministry is, he had what? That's what's missing. That's what's missing. So the prayer before you go into ministry is, Lord, give me a compassionate heart. Grow my compassion. Because if I don't have compassion, I'm not going to care. If I don't care, God's not going to give me a ministry. Is everybody with me? Number nine, I'm accountable. I'm accountable for my ministry. You will give an account. You will give uh, a, 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 an explanation for your ministry. Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says, so that each of us will give an account of himself to God. Do you remember the, par the, the parable of the talents? Parable of the talents. The most impacting phrase in that was at the end, he says, you fool. Did you not know that if he's a hard taskmaster, he's going to hold you accountable? He's going to hold you accountable. We hold ourselves accountable for a 25-year job, for a 30-year job. We hold ourselves accountable for 12 years of education in the school. We hold ourselves accountable for projects. We, hold, we, we write long reports for projects. And we don't think, we are so blasé, we don't think that God is not going to hold us accountable for our entire life in calling. Everything is in that sinless. If you think in your life that God's not going to say, I gave you all of this so that you could be a blessing, what happened? We're missing the point. We're missing something here. We're missing something here. We elevate the authorities of the land. We elevate the authorities of our profession. What about God? God will hold us accountable. So it gets serious. It gets serious. But it gets good as well. Number 10. I will be rewarded for my ministry. I will be rewarded for my ministry. Your career is not going to reward you as much as God's going to reward you for your ministry. <coughs> your relationships and your marriage isn't going to reward you as much as your ministry is going to reward you. He says, what you do for me on earth, I will reward you in heaven forever. What you do for me on earth, I will reward you in heaven forever. So whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Circle the word inheritance. Inheritance. You know what's key about that word? Not just that it's hard to spell. What's key about that word is inheritance is to a name. 
Father doesn't just leave like lax on the says, you guys just bring it up. You catch it. He leaves it to your name. So when you have a ministry, because you're called by name, God gives you a reward by your name. And that reward is in heaven under your name. It's, it's what breaks me up in the morning to go to ministry. It's what lightens my life. It's what gives my life meaning. That everything I do for God, I will see forever. I will be rewarded for it forever. It will be recognized in front of the angels, in front of everyone who's ever lived their life. Everyone who told me I was a fool on earth, everyone who laughed at my failures, everybody who walked past me, walked ahead of me, trampled over me, all of them are going to see me elevated and lifted up by God because I took His ministry first and I acted out of my primary identity and not my secondary identity. I didn't introduce myself as Dr. So-and-so, Professor So-and-so, whatever. I introduced myself as a servant of the living God. And when I did that, I lived out of my primary identity. Therefore, God exalted me in front of everybody. Humble yourself and let the God, let the Lord exalt you. He will give you that exaltation in good time. He will reward you in front of everybody. For what is done in secret will be rewarded in public. And when God lifts you up, nobody can tear you down. Promotion comes from the Lord. Reward comes from the Lord. Success comes from the Lord. Wealth comes from the Lord and he has no trouble to it. Proverbs. God wants to reward you. God wants to lift you up. God wants to make every day of your life a success. An absolute smashing success. But you've got to give your life to what He has called you to do. And His calling involves your relationship. It involves your finances. It involves your job. It involves your profession. It involves your strengths and your weaknesses. And He'll, make, he'll max it up. He'll make it count. Not for a few years, but forever and ever and ever. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Look at this. Look at what Jesus is saying. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Okay, stop, 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 stop. So you die. Right? You know how that works? You shouldn't, but you die. And the Bible says, uh, as soon as you close your eyes, you open it and you find yourself in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you find yourself in front of Christ, and as soon as you find front of Christ, you are saved, you're going to heaven, no, for sure. But this is what God says, and you stand before the reward seat, the Bible calls it, the accountability seat, and you stand before God, give an account for your life. This is what He says. So you've died, and now your life is over, and now you're in heaven, and you're standing before God, and he says to you these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. <laughs> he calls your entire life a few things. Your entire life! <coughs> he calls it a few things. He says you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you now in charge of... Are you getting this? Your faithfulness on earth with carnal things, with financial things, with relational things, with resourceful things, your, your relationship with these few things on earth is going to give you your job and responsibility for eternity. How you live your life and your perspective on everything here is going to make a decision for you in eternity. You've got to take this seriously. You've got to understand that God is in this to reward you. 
reward you, reward you, reward you. He wants to show you off. He wants to give you a lot more. He says, I will put you in charge. Either he's lying or he's telling the truth. Because I guarantee you, knowing the goodness of God, you're not going to get into heaven and stand there and say, oh, darn it, I wish I knew this. That's not going to happen. You can go to college and find that out. You can go get your first job and you'll be like, oh, I wish I knew this. You can come to the end of your life and get retired and say, oh, I wish I knew this. But you will not go to heaven and say, oh, gosh, I wish I knew this. Because revelation is complete. God is going to give you everything for life and godliness. God is going to give you all the information you need for no regrets in heaven. So you could stand in heaven and say, yeah, I knew. I wish I'd fallen up on it. Pastor Jerry screamed his lungs out on it as well. I wish I'd taken it seriously. You could say that, but you will not say, I wish I knew it. God is totally fair. He's going to give you all the information you need right now, right now. Well done, good and faithful sir. You have been faithful of a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And he says, come and share your master's happiness. Come and share your master's. So what do you do? What do I do? How do we begin? Where do we start? You're 15 years old, you're 25 years old, you're, you're 65. How do we start? <clears throat> Number one, redefine my identity. Redefine my identity. If your mother has defined your identity, rethink that. If your job has defined your identity, rethink it. If your board marks have identified your identity, it's, it's defined your identity, rethink it. Redefine my identity. That answers the question, who do I report to? Who's my real boss? Who's the boss of my boss? Who's the boss beyond my boss? What work in my life is greater than the work that I want to go to every day? Okay, number two, reorganize my investment. That means how do you spend your money? How do you write your checks? Who gets priority in your resources? Reorganize my investment. So if your life is in heaven, if your, if your ministry is most important and your ministry is part of the body of Christ, then where you give most, where you invest most, where you save most, where you, where you uh, put away most, it will be to the body of Christ. Are you getting this? You're not just giving it to some ministry. This is your work. This is your life. This is your family business. Reorganize my investment. That means who gets the first fruits of my life? Who gets the first fruits of my life? Your tithe, your investment. How do you organize your finances to make sure that your ministry is well covered? And number three, renew my involvement. Renew my involvement. That answers the question, who will I serve with my life? Who's going to be the beneficiaries of my life? Who's going to get the blessing of being in my life? Renew my involvement. Who will serve with my life? Let's go over that again. Number one, redefine my identity. Nice and loud. Redefine my identity. Reorganize my Renew my involvement. I'm absolutely certain that I know how smart you are. I know how intelligent and how blessed you are. I'm absolutely certain that many of you are going to seriously take this to heart. And we're going to see many new ministries born through your life. May the Lord bless you. Our is here now. So I want to say a word of prayer for our Pitzi last Sunday.
Could you bow with me in a word of prayer? Then we're going to have a, a closing song during which we'll give to God his tithes and our offerings and bring this service to a close. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the people you bring into our life, mostly there for a season. Then you take them, you take us to different places to bring new people into our life for another season. You give us learnings, you give us God-ordained opportunities, you develop us all for your ministry, for your work, so that you can reward us. There may be others who are leaving as well right now, which I don't know, but we know Arpit is very much a member of our family. He's grown up with us, Lord God, and he's, he honors you, he loves you. In the name of Jesus, protect him. Go before him. Keep people who are toxic away from him so that they, 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 they don't take away from his life. Bring people into his life who give him good fellowship, good convictions, good ideas. Protect him from the wicked one. Keep him from his own faults and failures, from his own weaknesses. Protect him, O oh God. And as many of our young people move away for studies, away from the parents, care and protection. Lord, it is only with the confidence that we have in you that we let our children go. So Father, would you take him safe and keep him in your care and let him be a blessing to wherever he, whoever comes into his life. Thank you, Father God, for him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.